is indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot to cover. Breaking down news of the day with me, my contributor, attorney Adrian Lawrence, author and TYT contributor. Also, my bullpen segment, Christian Daytok, White House correspondent for the Washington Examiner. Top story of the day. The Supreme Court of the United States of America, they have done it. They have overturned Roe v. Wade, taking away a woman's right to choose. That is according to leaked information, a leaked summary obtained by Politico. Now, let me be very clear. If SCOTUS wants to take away a woman's right to choose in these matters, meaning they believe that life begins at conception, they need, they need to make the natural conclusion that child support should start at conception. That when the child is born, the child should be nine months old and not zero months old. And also, the government now has to be mandated to stop deporting pregnant, undocumented women because now that's an American citizen, correct? There's more. The Supreme Court has now voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision, according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Alito, circulated inside of the court and obtained by Politico. Now, remember, the same individuals who are pro-war, pro-death penalty, and pro-defunding programs that actually help living human beings are the ones proclaiming to be pro-life that somehow this is a victory for the pro-life movement. It is not. The individuals are not pro-life. Now, I want you to contextualize what's happening here. This is a stripping away at the rights connected to women. That's what this was about. All of these states that passed ridiculous laws over the last four years, this was their aim to get Roe v. Wade overturned. And let me remind you, that the justices appointed by Donald Trump, when they were on the record about Roe v. Wade, they said to us, it's already settled law. There are no issues there. Nobody's going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And I said then they were lying, and they were. Let's go to Marjorie Taylor Greene, who had an emotional response to this decision. Hi everyone, this is Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and I just want to make an announcement and I'm I'm sorry I'm overwhelmed with emotion because this is the best news of our lifetime. The Supreme Court has voted to overturn abortion rights. Um, there's a draft opinion out now to overturn Roe versus Wade and this is a this is a great victory. Uh, it's a great victory for God. And the and the unborn who have been innocently slain for, for years, my entire lifetime. I wanna urge everyone to continue to pray. Um, people, people all over our country, people all over the world have been praying to end abortion. And I want you to understand that there is going to be a major pushback in our country because there's gonna be people that are gonna fight to keep it. And they're gonna fight to keep murdering the innocent unborn, but I want you to dig in. Uh, I want you to dig in in prayer and faith and continue to pray that this, this actually comes true when they do release their opinion that Roe versus Wade will be overturned and abortion will end. This will turn the rights back to the states 
and I urge every single uh, strong pro-life state to end it. Thank you very much. Will insurance companies now be mandated to insure a fetus? Because according to their linear logic, this is now a person. Marjorie Taylor Greene with her sickening comments. They are adversarial not only to common sense, the constitutional rights of women, they are adversarial to even the very Bible she proclaims somehow supports her position on this. I'm going to explain all of it. The draft opinion is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision that guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and the subsequent 1992 decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, with largely, that largely maintained that right. Justice Alito writes, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. He writes in the document labeled as the opinion of the court. Deliberations on controversial cases have in the past been very fluid. Justices can and sometimes do change their votes as draft opinions circulate. Major decisions can be subject to multiple drafts and vote trading, sometimes until just days before a decision is unveiled. The court's holding will not be final until it is published, likely in the next two months. So while this is a leaked judgment, it is, in fact, in my opinion, intentionally leaked. There's more. Roe v. Wade, some background to the legal case in which the U.S. Supreme Court on January 22nd, 1973, ruled 72 that unduly restrictive state regulation of abortion is unconstitutional. In a majority opinion written by Justice Harry A. Blackman, the court held that a set of Texas statutes criminalizing women in most instances violated a woman's constitutional right of privacy, which it found to be implicit in the liberty guarantee of the due process clause of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, the part that states, nor shall any state deprive any person, person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. It's important that you remember the word person. That's important. There's more. The case began in 1970 when Jane Roe, which was a fictional name used to protect the identity of the plaintiff, we know her name today is Norma McCorvey, instituted a federal action against Henry Wade, who was the district attorney of Dallas County, Texas, where Roe resided. He wanted to criminally prosecute and did. She filed suit in the United States Supreme Court. Well, the court kind of split hairs on the decision, creating some rights for the state as well as some rights for the woman, the pregnant woman. There's more. Let me say this for all of the Christian evangelicals, because I'm getting sick and damn tired of you all hijacking my faith background. I'm a Christian man myself. And damn it, I don't believe like you believe. I believe in values, I believe in fair treatment. God gave me a brain before he gave me a book and I use it. 
you have utilized your religious liberty bills to do one thing, to discriminate against others. Why is it that your religious bills have never brought people together, but simply divided people, placed them apart? You don't build coalitions, you build conflict. That's not the faith I believe in. Now, let me be very clear about what I'm going to say next. For those who believe that somehow this ridiculous ruling is aligned to your biblical belief, let me remind you, if you're not a biblical person, this isn't for you. Maybe it's some content you can use to talk to somebody else. Maybe it's not for you. But here's what Exodus says. Let's put it up. Now, I took the time to make sure that the words that are in the scripture that I'm about to cite include the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. This is the Hebrew definition concordance of the words in this text. Exodus 21, 22. If men strive and hurt or strike a woman with a child, meaning a pregnant woman, so that her fruit miscarries from her, and yet no mischief follows the woman, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband. He shall pay a civil fine as the judges determine. It's right there. If in fact, ladies and gentlemen, even the biblical text, if the biblical text saw a fetus as a person, if you kill a fetus, the penalty for the death of a person in the context of Exodus was your life. Even in biblical times, a fetus was not considered a person. Now, I could go down the rabbit hole about how ridiculous it is that a husband is the one who has to say what the penalty is for striking the wife or the pregnant woman that he's married to or the insanity that somehow, if nothing else happens, the guy should simply pay a civil penalty when he has struck a woman. But I'm making a point about what aligns with scripture, because this is the basis for the Christian evangelical proclamation about abortion in America. There's more. The resulting punishment for the miscarriage is a mere fine. The Bible continues with declaring that the woman died and the death penalty would be imposed under the principle of a life or a life. That's if the woman died. If the fetus was considered a life, then the death penalty would be imposed under the principle of life or a life as well. But since a fine is imposed, it is understood that the fetus is not considered a life. From this, it is clearly understood that a fetus is not considered a full human life. Otherwise, the punishment will be death under the subsequently enumerated literal biblical principle of lex talionis, which is eye for an eye. There's more. Genesis chapter two, verse seven, one of the most common texts for many Christian evangelicals. Then the Lord God formed man. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and man became a living person. Now you may not be a Christian, you don't even have to be a biblical scholar to understand that formation of biological matter 
does not necessitate a person. Man was formed and then a respiratory function had to take place before man, Ahadam, was even considered a living person in the Bible. The ancient words that were written by individuals way back then. There's more. Here's what this law can do. Remember the Alabama Senate bill that passed, House Bill 314? This was back in 2019. The bill essentially outlawed all forms of abortion. The bill made no exceptions for victims of rape or incest, despite Democrats' attempts to reintroduce such exceptions as an amendment. Perhaps most notably, doctors who perform abortions could face up to 99 years in prison. That became law in the state of Alabama. That became law. It had to be overturned by the court. Now, states like Alabama, they are free to create these ridiculous and insane laws to strip away the rights of women. How are you not outraged? The vast majority of Americans disagree with this ruling. The vast majority of Americans agree that a woman should retain the right to choose. The Supreme Court justices that voted to overturn this said on record that Roe v. Wade was settled law. They lied, damn it. They lied and they lied intentionally. They knew what they were going to do. They had a plan and what are we doing? We're still talking about being civil. They're coming for all of your rights, not just this one. Voting rights, the, the right to go to an establishment and not be discriminated against. They're coming for that too. They're coming for them all. I get passionate. The state of Alabama made a law signed by the governor that said if a woman is raped, the rapist will get five years, the woman would get 20 years, and the doctor would get 99. That was law. This nation was not founded as a Christian nation. As flawed as the founders were, they were fleeing people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. They did not want to establish a state religion. And if they're so dogmatic about their faith, what does it stop? You know, the Bible says, thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit fornication. Do we now want those to become part of the statutory language of our federal laws or common law? Adrian, I'm sorry I get really emotional and passionate when I see liberties and rights being ripped away from people, especially when people have fought so hard to get to a particular place and to see a minority of elite political scum take it away um you know these are these are the moments that we talked about uh these are the moments that so many women and individuals out there said would come and we were told that we were uh overexcited that we were doing too much um and, and here it is, here we are, these individuals who sat before Congress and said that they would not uh, disrupt Roe v. Wade. They're here saying that it is egregiously um, decided from the start that it is not settled precedent at all, and they're clearly looking to revoke it in, in its entirety. And the thing is, is 
that that wipes away much of our 14th Amendment due process rights to privacy. And a lot of our rights are based on that. Uh, Lawrence v. Texas, the ruling that says that uh, the government can't come into your home and decide what kind of sex you're having. Uh, that is something based on a right to privacy, uh, the right to get married uh, to someone who isn't your color. All of these things, the gay marriage, everything is founded upon this due process right to privacy. And individuals like Justice Alito, who just wrote this draft opinion, do not believe that that right to privacy actually exists. So the tenets that we live by, this thought that we can be individuals and choose what's best for our body, what's best for our futures, what we want to do intimately with each other, that's about to be eroded. So people who don't care whether women have a right to control their bodily autonomy, you should at least pay attention because again, they are coming for our privacy rights and that will impact you. And it will impact you gravely and it impact your loved ones. And if you do not speak up now, when they come for you, there will not be many people who can speak up because they will already have been taken and they will already have suffered and lost. So this is something that women and people who can bear children should not be fighting alone. And it's very sad that so many individuals still don't get that. Yeah. Very well said. And if Trump becomes president again, he will not leave through a democratic process. That is guaranteed. Nope. The Supreme Court will not rule for him to leave through a democratic process. They are setting the stage for a dictator. They are setting the stage for a religious state. There's a cop, an ex-cop now, who has been charged with murder. Let's put up his picture. This Philadelphia, this Philly officer shot a 12-year-old child in the back in March, has now been charged with murder after the prosecution said the former cop fired from near point blank range while the unarmed child was on the ground. His name is Ed Saul Mendoza, 26 years of age. You see him there. Let me give you some background. He surrendered on Sunday and now faces counts of first and third degree murder, voluntary manslaughter, and possession of an instrument of crime in the death of T.J. Sedario. Mendoza was jailed and denied bail and is the third Philly cop. Count them, one, two, three. Third Philly cop charged with murder in an on-duty shooting since the DA took office in 2018. We're going to get to the DA in a minute. I like this DA, by the way. At the time of the shooting, Mendoza was assigned to the South Task Force, a group that frequently encountered, if not caused, significant chaos. Let's put up a picture of the 12-year-old he shot and killed in the back. Okay? That's TJ. TJ was killed by Mendoza. The shooting occurred after TJ, TJ shot an unmarked car carrying Mendoza and three other plainclothes officers while running away. TJ clearly tossed his gun, which could be found 40 feet away from where Mendoza shot him. The assistant DA estimated TJ was effect effectively face down on the ground for four to six seconds before Mendoza approached and shot him in the back, shot him in the back, that shot struck and killed TJ within uh, uh, 90 seconds. So let me say this, because I know people are going to say, well, uh, he's a 12-year-old shooting. Okay, 
uh, he was obviously troubled, okay? Just because you deserve to see a judge does not, does not mean you deserve to see your maker. He was unarmed, he had his face down, he was surrendered, and he was shot in the back. That's against the law. I don't care how you chop it up, that's illegal. That's murder, right? That's how it works in this country. And too many times police officers, they have utilized their position of public trust to take vengeance on someone they're mad at. How dare this person shoot at me? How dare this person make me chase them? I'm going to recall a very quick personal story. Many years ago, I was in my neighborhood and police officers were chasing us. And I ran behind the apartment complex. And I never forget, man, it's like it happened yesterday. I get on the ground because the chase is done. And I'm on the ground with my hands up. And I'm looking at this officer. This was in Fulton County. And I got my hands up. He has a gun aimed at me, but he refuses to handcuff me. He keeps looking around to see if somebody else is watching. And I think that cop wanted to do something more to me that night. But another police officer came to the scene as he was looking around to check out who else was back there. That moment changed my perception of law enforcement indefinitely. Let's put up a picture of this DA. District Attorney Larry Krasner, remarkable person. Krasner said the shooting was captured on video and that it showed Mendoza firing the last of three shots at, at TJ after the boy either fell or dove to the ground while running from the police. The evidence showed Mendoza knew the small 12-year-old was unarmed when he shot the child and his conduct uh, before and after the shooting made it clear that he was aware that this was an unarmed 12-year-old child. Let's put up a picture of the police commissioner who did the right thing pretty quickly in this case. That commissioner is Danielle Outlaw. Yep, Danielle Outlaw is her name. Uh, commissioner Outlaw fired Mendoza, a five-year veteran, a week after the incident, said his conduct violated department policy. Department officials declined to comment, citing the ongoing investigations. Uh, in a grand jury uh, presentment, prosecutor said, and I quote, Mendoza and three other plainclothes officers, Kwaku uh, Sarpong, Robert Caccinelli, and Alexander Camacho had set out that day to search for a 20-year-old suspect in a stolen gun investigation. The officers crammed into a single Chevrolet uh, with tenant windows. They were not identifiable as cops. There, there was no uh, clothing to signify that. For about an hour before the shooting, the four task force officers sat in their car where they believed the suspect might be before seeing two young people on bicycles. TJ and unarmed 17-year-old Camacho believed the older teen was a friend of the gun suspect. The officers decided to stop the boys, even though prosecutors noted police directives generally say, uh, say uniformed officers should conduct such stops not those in plain clothes. They violated that policy. Officers testifying gave different justifications for the stop, like wanting to uh, talk to the 17-year-old uh, and wanted to issue the boys a ticket for riding their bikes the wrong way on, their, uh, on the street before they could initiate the stop, however. Um, Sarpong flicked, uh, flicked on the car's police lights, the grand jury said. 
and almost simultaneously, a bullet pierced the vehicle's back window. Krasner said evidence showed TJ had likely fired the shot. The DA questioned whether this could have been avoided with the presence of a marked car or uniformed officer. This is the kind of encounter that could cause someone on the street to believe that people who are pulling up are not police at all. To believe that people who are pulling up in a climate that is obviously rife with gun violence are pulling up to do them harm and are not law enforcement at all. Mendoza and Sarpong then got out of the car, each fired back at TJ. Uh, in the seconds after the shooting, Mendoza was captured on video telling a fellow officer to look for a gun farther down the block where it was later found. Krasner then said, and I quote, the DA said, when people make untruthful statements about what happened that are crucial to the understanding, to understanding the death of another person, in the law, that can be interpreted to indicate guilty knowledge, a sense that you need to cover something up because you know that what you did is illegal. Evidence of a guilty conscience is how I learned it in law school. Um, the DA is doing right here. You see, you don't need new laws. You need the right person to enforce the ones already on the books. That's how this works. And another thing this DA did when he first got in, he knew that his own district attorney's office was corrupt. He knew it when he got elected and he said he knew it. So what did he do when he got elected? When he won and when he took over, he fired the prosecutors. Yep, they sued him, of course, but they got their happy ass up out of that DA's office. That's the kind of leadership it takes. He utilized existing rule, existing law, existing protocol, his abilities, his authority within the confines of his authority. He did it. He did not seek new legislation to get it done. He was able to do it with the power the people gave him. All right, Adrian, thoughts on this case? You know, it's so sad that um, that we feel like this is such a grand thing that this prosecutor did when it should just be the standard. It shows us how low the bar is truly based on how corrupt our system has gotten. Uh, and also too, with these officers, it, it's abundantly clear that they were looking to abuse their power. They saw this as an opportunity to flex and they decided to flex on a child. And that also speaks to how absolutely just disgusting and disgusting and inhumane so many of our systems are that they would prey on this child and lie about it and then it but for having a prosecutor who actually cares about doing his job and is willing to stand up to a broken system the individuals probably would have gotten away with it their lies would have been accepted and they would have been able to continue to prey on others yeah and remember, the oath of a prosecutor is to seek justice, not to seek prosecutions, not to seek wins, not to seek um, arrests, but to seek justice. And that's exactly what this DA is doing. I knew it was going to happen. Police on police violence. Yep, police officer has now been convicted of harassing another police officer. Uh, let's go to the video. That's a cop doing that. 
Yep, that's a police officer who has now been found uh, guilty. Uh, the jury rejects excuse of the cop who bashed a Capitol Police. Um, a federal jury on Monday convicted a New York Police Department veteran of assaulting an officer during the U.S. Capitol riot, rejecting his claim that he was defending himself when he tackled the officer and grabbed his gas mask, okay? Uh, let me say this. Where are those people who are pro-police? Because right now, I'm standing up for the police. Where are the people who are pro, you have to respect what law enforcement says do? Where are they at? Because remember, more than just this police officer went to that Capitol and engaged in a massive terrorist attack. Okay, there's more. Thomas Webster is his name, a 20-year veteran of the NYPD, was the first Capitol riot defendant to be tried on an assault charge and the first to present a jury with a self-defense argument. You saw the video, I saw the video. That was not self-defense. Uh, jurors uh, deliberated for less than three hours before they convicted Webster of, of all six counts in his indictment, including a charge that he assaulted Metropolitan Police Department Officer Noah Rathman with a dangerous weapon, a metal flagpole. The assault charge alone is punishable by up to 20 years in prison, although sentencing guidelines would likely recommend a significantly shorter prison term. Now, this is where I would disagree with the judge when the sentencing is allocated or the jury, depending on how they do this. You have to give this guy the maximum. And I know that's going to sound harsh. And I know some people say, whoa, whoa, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, you have to. The context matters here, okay? This person was engaged in a terrorist attack. This person tried to stop the lawful exchange of power, a constitutionally mandated process. This individual already held a position of public trust, was taxpayer funded. He violated that public trust. There are, let's say, extenuating circumstances here to warrant you get outside of those guidelines in the sentencing and you give him more time than the guideline would suggest. There's more. Webster 56 testified that he was trying to protect himself from a rogue cop who punched him in the face. He also accused Officer Rathman of instigating the confrontation. All right. So uh, two of the jury members, they were actually polled after the verdict and they said, listen, not only did we see that video, we saw other video. Uh, the video was clear, okay? The Capitol, the Metropolitan officer did not do any of this. All right, Rathman testified that he did not punch or kick um, a, or pick a fight with Webster as a violent mob attacked the Capitol on January 6, 2021, disrupted Congress from certifying Joe Biden's 2020 presidential election victory over then President Donald Trump, okay? Now, remember, the government, the federal government, has not been heavy-handed with these terrorists. It should be. Now, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to show, by example, here's what happens when you try to overthrow democracy. All right, Adrian, thoughts? 
No, I agree. There should be examples made of these individuals to show them so that we do not have to have this experience again, which possibly could come to pass. And it looks more and more so the case, given all of these right wingers who are leading all sorts of attacks on our individual liberties across the country. And so to watch this officer, uh, well, this gentleman lie about uh, the officer, despite the fact that we could see with our eyes, that really also says something about these individuals, these white men who often think that they can get away with this behavior, that they figure that they can just tell a story. And even though it conflicts with what you see with your very eyes, they still think that they're going to get away with it. And so holding individuals accountable is essential for the future of our nation because our democracy is supposed to be founded on that. And so if we don't uphold those tenets, what are we going to do? What do we have at the end of the day? That's right. All right. We got more on the other side is indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. I'm going to read some of these amazing comments. But before I do that, um, let me remind everyone, this is a big deal, all right? Uh, So today, we're covering elections because mainstream media, they won't cover progressives and they should, all right? We're taking over, they should cover, uh, but they won't. So uh, it will be progressives progressives versus the establishment will be providing live coverage. Uh, today, um, make sure you check us out. Ohio, Indiana primary elections. Uh, Senator Danita Turner. We got uh, Morgan Har- Harper, uh, the U.S. Senate, uh, and more. So make sure you tune in. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Also, Canvas 2022. The midterm elections are fast approaching. Uh, we know the mainstream media will not cover it the right way. We will because the TYT audience is so strong. Uh, you make a difference. All right, you make a difference in these elections and more. Uh, so make sure you support the mission, drive positive change. Visit tyt.com forward slash canvas 2022, tyt.com forward slash canvas 2022. Uh, let me re- read some of the comments. Uh, Nadius Maximus, coming out swinging. Dr. Richie talks about what it really means to be pro-life as opposed to the GOP, which is at best pro-birth. Uh, even that is arguable since births involve health care. That's absolutely correct. Tiffany Powell, large Mars doesn't care when actual children are shot in schools, but the unborn, fake weeping, need our protection. Uh, and you have to remember, if you side with Marjorie Taylor Greene, you're siding with the woman who just was the keynote speaker at a white nationalist rally, okay? Anytime you start singing the same song that your historic oppressors sing, you need to check the song lyrics. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're still French! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. You don't like the words I'm coming not, out of my mouth. Okay, so pretty much. No words. No words. Free speech is dead. Okay, so Excuse me. Didn't do anything. You're definitely coming off. No, we're right. not coming off. You are. And you're going to have to take everyone off. This is ridiculous. You guys see what's happening in America? You didn't like what he said, and now we're getting kicked off a plane. And all of you all are gonna have to wait. This is outrageous. You guys, we're gonna turn into China. It's coming. Clearly, the president or the mass people didn't like what I said. Really? Really? Oh, I love 
Because the Yep, they were being both racist and homophobic. They were boarding in Florida, okay? The flight which was reportedly headed to New Jersey was forced to deplane after an incident between a couple and other passengers. Let's put up a picture of the apprehension here. There it is. I mean, she seems happy to me, okay? I don't want to get between her and her happiness. Uh, once again, you do not have a right, and I know people keep contextualizing this as a right. You do not have a right to fly an airplane, <laughs> number one. You don't have a right to do that. It's a privilege afforded to you by a private company. And when your rights or your uh, freedom, I'm using that term loosely, starts to negatively impact those around you on this private flight. Well, yes, the private company can say you're being rude and we want you to leave. They have the right to do that. This is not an exercise of your constitutional right being violated by the government, okay? That's not what's happening here. So for these individuals who are free speech absolutists, they simply would like whatever they wanna say to be okay and there's absolutely no repercussion, no penalty. That's not the world we live in. That's not the world I want to live in, nor the world I want my children to live in. But thankfully, we have an attorney on the show. Uh, Madam Attorney, can you help explain why is it not okay to think that you can say whatever the hell you want to say at a private facility or an airplane or a business and have no penalty? Why is that not the reality? The thing is, you have absolutely no right to be there. I, it's <laughs> it's like walking into someone's home just mm-hmm. because it's a Best Buy or an airplane, uh, and there are a lot of members of the public there. Does not mean that you have public access and rights to it. It does not belong to you. These are private entities. These are businesses. They do not have to entertain your nonsense. And it seems that too many people have forgotten this. You know, we went from a time of no shoes, no shirt, no service, and that was completely understood, to a time of I can do whatever I damn well please. And let me tell you, the latter is the problem because the latter is totally off base. You cannot roll up into these private places and institutions and run your mouth or act up. You do not have that right. It's not okay. Yeah, and listen, you can do it, but then you can be dismissed, okay? So you did what you wanted to do, now you gotta go. All right, I got something for everybody. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. You need to chill out. Let's go to how this all started.
to chill out. Miss Officer Karen, you're out of line. Police came. Here's what happened. She's a I mean, is Derek Queen that serious? Okay, uh, so here's what we do at Indisputable. We do not tolerate uh, individuals who talk down on our brothers and sisters who work uh, in various industries, including uh, the restaurant industry. This was completely out of line. And she started with a child that was a kid working behind that counter. All right. Adrian, thoughts here. You know, first when I saw her acting up and losing it, I was thinking, oh, you know, she's just having a moment or something. But then she started screaming and yelling, and I got kind of crazy. But then I saw she was at Dairy Queen, and I remember how good Dairy Queen is. I'm not trying to lie to nobody. <laughs> like, Dairy Queen is good. And so part of me, I've got to fell for her a bit, you know, even uh -oh. though she got them little tacky bangs and that kind of Trans Am look starter kit. <laughs> I was just, I just, you know, I, I kind of fell for her. Being hangry is hard, but she shouldn't be yelling at kids or nothing. But again, Terry Queen is good. All right, so this may be a second time. Do we give this Karen a pass? No, I don't think so. Okay, she acted yeah, up too much. Yeah, exactly. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. I'm doing so bad on time. I'm going to read two comments. Uh, Mickey C. The Silverhead Dragon says, one of the many things I love about Adrian and Dr. Richie, they both have a slightly sick, twisted sense of humor, <laughs> just like me, laughing my A off. Yep, I agree 100%. Um, Locks Dim Fire, man, that kid is just trying to do his crappy job and this thing shows up. <laughs> he was so nice, he was such a, a nice young man. All right, it is official, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Brittany Griner is in fact a hostage, she's a hostage. The American government has basically said so. Uh, let's put a picture up for mass. The Biden administration has determined that WNBA star Brittany Griner is in fact a hostage. Now, 
they are saying things like wrongfully detained in Russia. But let me break this down, okay? Griner's agent, Lindsey Kalos said, quote, Britney has been detained for 75 days. And our expectation is that the White House do whatever is necessary to bring her home. So this may get more news and more press as the week continues. ESPN first reported the classification in Griner's case. Two United States officials confirmed it on the condition of anonymity because they are not authorized to discuss it by name. So they're trying to keep this top secret hush hush, but she is in fact a hostage. I will provide background. It was unclear what prompted the shift in approach to Griner's case. Though President Joe Biden's administration had been under pressure from members of Congress and others to make her release a priority. Additional background, Griner was detained at an airport in February after Russian authorities said a search of her bag revealed vape cartridges containing an oil derived from cannabis. Since then, US officials stopped short of classifying the Phoenix Mercury player as wrongfully detained and said instead that their focus was on ensuring she had access in jail to American consular affairs officials, okay? Now, the US officials, even though they've shifted supervision of her case to a State Department section, the Office of the Special Presidential Envoy for Hostage Affairs, you heard that right, hostage affairs, that is focused on negotiating for the release of hostages and other Americans classified as being wrongfully detained in other countries. They have been saying this from day one. Here's the reality of what's happening. She's stuck, she's trapped, she's a hostage in a foreign nation. That's what's happening, okay? Now, before all of this went down, the State Department was aware that Russian authorities were looking to detain, wrongfully detain American citizens. You know why the, I know the Department, State Department knew this? Because they said it. Uh, they told Americans, don't travel. Uh, Russia, they are starting to detain people for questionable things. They were well aware of the operation before this happened, all right? So she's not just wrongfully detained. She is in fact a hostage in Russia. All right, Adrian, thoughts on this case? So the thing we know about Russia and their legal system is that when it comes to convictions, they have over a 99% conviction rate. It is less than 1% in terms of acquittal. So if you're charged with anything, you are going to be convicted. And they know this of Brittany Griner, whether the charges are legit or not. And I completely and totally doubt that. The fact is that the Russian system, as you mentioned, they were looking for Americans to detain and they happen to get a two time gold medalist who happens to be the star of the WNBA. And it's very scary her being there in part because we don't know necessarily what the US has to potentially trade for her. We just saw they brought back Trevor Reed in a swap yep. that involved Konstantin Yarenchenko. He was a drug smuggler that we had here in prison. And we knew that Russia wanted him back. The thing is, is now that that's off the table, there is only one other person, and that's Victor Bout, known as the known as I believe like the Minister of Death, or that he essentially he's a he's a weapons trafficker. 
And the thought that the US would trade for her, I don't necessarily know that they would let this weapons trafficker go. And so it's the question of what is the US gonna do in terms of getting her out if it's going to be a viable swap. And it's a question of will she be able to get home or is she going to end up in that system and never necessarily be able to get out since she's facing up to 10 years in prison. Yep, very well said. Okay, always a pleasure having you on Indisputable. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Uh, well, you can check me out at Rebel HQ with my segment Overruled. I am also on Twitter at Adrian Law and on Instagram at Adrian Lawrence. Always great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. And what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop. And you won't stop either.